Welcome to episode 19 of the Distance Diaries. My name is Natalia and I live in Mexico City. And my name is Fraser and I live in London. In case it is your first episode, there's a podcast where Fraser and I talk about what we would normally talk about on Skype or FaceTime, but we record it and yes. send it out to the world. <laughs> and and all the episodes, you can go back and, and listen if there's any topics that, that take your fancy, so... Uh, yeah. yeah, they're all backwards compatible, so you don't have to listen to, to them in order necessarily. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not an actual diary. Hey, little disclaimer before we start this episode. We actually recorded this a few weeks ago, but because we got so busy we hadn't been able to put it up. We both had quite a quite tough week, so we weren't able to put it up. So the topic is a little bit behind but we still really like the content so we're putting it out now just so you know this was recorded a few weeks ago i hope you enjoy the episode great so what have you been up to uh this week natalia um i feel i always say the same thing i've been very busy because i have been prepping for my short film which is we start filming tomorrow so it's a bit. It's been a bit stressful, but very exciting. And then last Sunday, I actually went to an exhibit at the Cineteca, um, and it's about Hitchcock. So yes. it's about his films, and they show you his sort of storyboards and a lot of um, like costumes and just a bit of a behind the scenes look at his films. Yeah, it looked like it had some quite kind of unusual materials. Yeah, it, it's kind of cool. The Cineteca does this sort of big exhibits on, on filmmakers and they're very cool because they get very interesting things that you just wouldn't normally get to see. But yeah, Hitchcock, basically, guy who sold himself as a genius, was then seen as a genius, has some very good films, but was also a bit of an asshole. So that is my summary of Hitchcock. thank you for the the quick summary um what about you what have you been up to so i've had quite a busy week uh also um i caught up with uh someone i used to work with uh for some lunch on the south bank which was nice so where'd you go on uh, south bank we just we just went to um wagamama but we were sat outside in the sun which was was nice yeah um also on thursday i went over to the o2 empire in shepherd's bush to see pale waves which was great uh, with some hmm. friends so that was you really, never really... talk about pale waves on this podcast no i don't think i've ever mentioned them before anyway um <laughs> went and saw them which was was fantastic um and then also just been looking ahead we we did that as a as a a podcast topic i think in episode 16 just like mm. things we're looking forward to but yeah i was just looking at my diary earlier this week for the next few months and the whole of september has gone by now and yeah just looking looking ahead to a lot of things yeah what have you been enjoying this week in terms of kind of film and tv or, or anything like that Oh, well, I started The Good Places in 3 because it's back on Netflix. Woo! Well, it's back on NBC and stuff, but I watch it on Netflix. <laughs> cool. So I love The Good Place, in case people didn't know. So I've been, I watched the episode and then straight away listened to the podcast because they bring out a podcast about the episode after the episode airs. I'm not obsessed with The Good Place, but yeah, so I really like that. So enjoyed that. Really enjoyed the first episode. It's the same as every other season's 
episode, which is a bit of one season in one episode. It always ends in a in a big cliffhanger, but quite big cliffhanger. So it's pretty good. Right. Um, and I also watched. I started the second series of Travels with My Father, which is a Jack Whitehall Netflix show. And I really enjoyed the first season. I can't vouch for the second one yet because I just watched one episode, but I, it's very funny. It's basically Jack Whitehall, who is a comedian, being really immature around his father, who is the poshest man on, in England. So it's, it's very fun. <laughs> yeah, he makes some good jokes. How about you? Sure. So I have not got many recommendations, although I have been watching a lot of football, which has been good. Um, also playing a lot of football. Um, and I got the new FIFA game, which has just come out, FIFA 19. So that's that's good. So you've um, also been virtually playing football. Exactly. So <laughs> football in a lot of formats. Um, and I also recommended to Natalia uh, mm-hmm. an interview with Claire Foy, who um, Natalia is a, a, a fan of, I suppose. <laughs> I it'll, like it'll her as an actress. Yeah, and... In in the interview, I suppose she she kind of opened up about anxiety and other issues that she's faced throughout her life, but also in the context of her career as well. So it's quite interesting because it's something that's, I suppose, more and more common, not only for people to have as an issue, but it's good that it's becoming maybe more and more common to talk about, talk about and understand. Yeah, I, I actually did read it. Thank you. It was very, very good. And it's good to read if you know someone with anxiety or if you have anxiety because she explains it really well and she explains how she deals with it really well. So, yeah, she she talks about why why it's sort of there and what you think about. And, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I also um, enjoyed the bit where she talks about her acting because she has a very particular acting style where she, she just she doesn't need to shout the way she puts it swing from chandeliers other actors can do that she doesn't do that and she talks about it which i found very interesting so yeah thanks for that recommendation (laughs) that's good i'm (laughs) glad you enjoyed it right so should we move on to our first topic yes okay so in mexico we just had well a week and a half ago we had the anniversary of Two big earthquakes, one happened last year and one happened in 1985. And also there was just an earthquake in... Well, there there were a few... There's been a few earthquakes lately, but there was just a really big one in Indonesia. I'm right about that, aren't I? Is it Indonesia? Yeah. There's I think so. really, <laughs> There was just a really big one in Indonesia. So, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about earthquakes and what it's like to, to live through an earthquake. So... Yeah, I I kind of, obviously, Fraser has never felt an earthquake in his life, whereas I have felt a lot of earthquakes uh, living in Mexico yeah. City. So I kind of wanted to talk about it in order to not only help other people understand, but help Fraser understand what it's like as well, even though you were kind of with me in the sense of we talked every day when it happened last, last year. Um. Yeah, and I think on that point, it is almost impossible for someone who's never experienced that, never lived through that, or never been through anything like that, you know, fortunately enough in, in my case, mm. it's almost impossible to sort of understand what it what it would be like. Yeah. Yeah, so I want to start by, by saying I'm I'm very, very lucky. I didn't lose anyone or anything 
in the earthquake, which is, is it is very lucky. And I do know that. So I'm going to really talk generally about what it's like to live through a disaster like that. And hopefully this doesn't, this isn't just about Mexico, but it extends to people who have lived through earthquakes everywhere in the world, because they're some of the, the biggest natural disasters, because they can also bring tsunamis and stuff. Thankfully, obviously not in Mexico City, but uh, the one in Indonesia did bring tsunamis. Japan has tsunamis. So it's kind of, it's one of the most dangerous natural disasters, probably. Um, and Mexico is a very highly active area, just in general. And there's many, many types of, of earthquakes that we've lived through. So in my life, I'd had a lot of earthquakes that they're scary because obviously your building is moving. But a lot of times I didn't even think to go outside, even though you're, you're all, I, I grew up with a lot of education around it. But you sometimes you're like, oh, it's going to be a small one. Like, I don't need to leave the building. And that was always fine until last year. Um, so, yeah, what happened last year was basically the earthquake alarm went off late. So it went off when the earthquake was already happening. So the first so pull from the earthquake, from what I've heard from everyone, no one really knew what was happening because we got used to the alarm. Um, so it, I, I thought there was just a massive trailer outside or something had exploded. Um, cause yeah. that's why it felt like an explosion. I instinctively ran out, but I didn't know it was an earthquake yet. Um, yeah. so I just sort of ran outside and it, it was the worst thing I've ever felt. Like you couldn't stand. It was what you couldn't stand up. Like it was hard to run. So yeah, it was very scary, but yeah. thankfully my building was okay. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna some general points um on earthquakes is they're very short normally. They don't last for a long time. Is if they last for longer than a minute, that is a very, very long earthquake. Yeah. The thing is when you're living through it, it feels like they've gone on for five minutes. They feel really long. So that's one thing that you probably realise after you've been through an earthquake, before that, you kind of, you're like, oh, but it was very short. It was 30 seconds. But 30 seconds can destroy a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think it it was um, when you messaged me, mm. like, you don't have any time to think or to react because you just, obvi- I mean, it sounds obvious, right? But when you messaged me, it was like, all done, everything's kind of, still again and it's so it's such a like fast moment because I think we were probably even sort of texting or what's happening at the time just had like a a couple of minutes break and then the next message was like there's been an earthquake yeah and 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 it is just such a kind of like a moment basically I remember I remember so well um I came upstairs to my room and I sat down with my iPad to call Fraser and we were messaging because I was like, oh, yeah, I'll call you in two minutes. I've just arrived. The earthquake started, instinctively just ran out. Obviously, I couldn't text Fraser because I didn't have the time. My, um, the woman who works at my house was very, very smart. And she, I don't know how she knew what was happening, but she turned off the gas, grabbed my dog and ran out with me, <laughs> which was very smart. Yeah. <laughs> that is very good reaction. Um, and... So I didn't have time to message Fraser in that, in that moment. And I remember exactly what I texted him when I was downstairs. It was, there's been an earthquake, awful, terrible. Yeah. 
those were my messages. And yeah. then because the first, there's a second point. The first thing you think about after there's been an earthquake, even if it's a small one, you text everyone you know. Yeah. You text all your WhatsApp groups and you is everyone okay. Um, so after messaging Fraser, awful, terrible, the first thing I did was call my sister um, and then call my mom who was in Europe. So you kind of could to, to let her know what happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first thing everyone does is, is talk to her loved ones. The thing is, last year, communications were down because everyone was doing that. So communications yeah. weren't working. Um, and for example, in 1985, uh, which was the other earthquake, which was bigger in Mexico City, uh, there weren't any communications because all you had was landlines and landlines were obviously not working. Yeah, so you just would have had no idea what was no happening idea. to anyone. Yeah, exactly. So I can't imagine what that feels like. Um, I remember hearing that in 1985, the news stories the next day around the world where Mexico City has disappeared because no one could communicate. Yeah, that's crazy. Everyone just knew there was an earthquake that was completely devastating and people just thought it disappeared, which a lot of it did, but yeah. <laughs> Um, the next thing I want to talk about is that it's a, it's a strange feeling when no one close, well, it's, it's a very lucky feeling when no one close to you dies in a, in an event like that. But what's strange is you're still grieving for those people that you, that died, even if you didn't know them. Like yeah. I can't count how many times I cried last year over people I've never met. Yeah, and, and it's it's kind of one of these things where there's lots of different stages to kind mm. of the event of the earthquake. So it's obviously it hap- like the build-up to it that you remember, then the event happening, and then sort of the reaction to it happens in like different stages, and people will naturally, I suppose, be affected by it in different ways. Yeah. Um, and... And that, in in terms of grief, it all come at kind of different times for different people. Yeah. So I feel like, for example, for me, because I, I my family was accounted for and my friends were accounted for quite quickly, um, I started grieving straight away for people who weren't there anymore, whereas people whose family members died because they didn't know if they were there or not, they started grieving later. That is, is a sort of strange thing. Right. Um, and the grieving lasts for for a while. The cl- classes and work and everything was cancelled for about, I think, a week or two weeks. And when I first, when we went back to uni, all the classes were, they weren't about the class. All the classes were, how are, how is everyone? Yeah. Like, how are you? Yeah. Um, they weren't about the class. <laughs> so. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting because everyone had the sort of, had just such a, a different feeling about the event mm. and the one one thing is you know you were super affected and your family was super affected to the extent that your dog oh yeah got like a stomach ache or felt ill because <laughs> we think it's obviously unclear because you don't know what he was feeling and the vet <laughs> didn't really know but because he was stressed because everyone was worried and yeah, so because... he potentially got ill because of like the event of the earthquake yeah but so my dog my dog has always been quite ambivalent to earthquakes he, he, he's never we we've wondered does he feel them because he's never been worried about earthquakes right. um 
on that one, he didn't really get what was happening. He just stood there and then <laughs> we grabbed him and, and ran downstairs. When we ran downstairs, because probably my reaction, because I was breathing very quickly and I was very scared, he started just shaking. And mm. then for the next week, me it was just me and, and me and my sister. My, my mom and my brother were in Europe. Me and my sister were sort of going out every day to to help. We weren't really on our normal time timetables. So yeah. my dog got really stressed. And the week after the earthquake, we realized that he was being really weird. Took him to the vet. And the vet said he's got colitis because he's been really stressed over something. Yeah. So, <laughs> my dog had never had colitis in his life. Yeah, it wasn't a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. And then on the there was an earthquake after that. Um, the alarm went off, the building started moving a little bit, and my dog hid under a table when before earthquakes had never affected him. So he obviously did have something to do with it. Yeah. He yeah, is really yeah, yeah. scared of them now. Um, but yeah, anyway, so it, it affects everyone, even dogs. They get really stressed. <laughs> um, but yeah, and also everyone hands, handles it very differently. So you kind of learn that very quickly about you have to be very respectful to the way people are reacting because sometimes, I don't know, people would post themselves helping on online. My, just all of my social media feeds, literally, Fraser didn't believe me, every single post was about the earthquake. There was no other post. No one posted about anything else that wasn't the earthquake. And by that, I mean, everyone was posting about what you could help with, where you could bring it, um, where they needed hands, what you needed to bring to help. Like, yeah. it was all about that. There was nothing about your social life. No one was having a social life. Um, so a lot of people posted, like, oh, here, helping at this community. And some people handled it like that. Other people handled it by, like, turning off their phone and just looking at Facebook to see what they needed to bring. Like, it was very... Everyone will deal with it differently. And even... Even a year on, on the anniversary, I spent it by myself at the time of the earthquake and sort of had a bit of a cry by myself, whereas two of my friends couldn't spend it by themselves, so they, they like met up and spent it together. So, yeah, everyone kind of deals with it very, very differently, and you learn how to respect that very quickly. And you might see some people that don't seem affected because they're moving so much, because they're helping so much, and they're driving everywhere. That's their way of being affected. So, yeah. And it's also something where the trauma will always stay there. And it's something my generation didn't understand, and my parents' generation did, because they lived the 1985 one. And the 1985 one, there is a before and an after for Mexico on that earthquake. The same for this one. But we didn't really get it because we were like, oh, all the ones we've had are no buildings have fallen, so it's fine. Whereas after last year, the trauma stays with you. I can't listen to the alarm without freaking out. If, I, if something big moves outside and I feel the building move a little bit, I, I get up to run. Like everyone is so yeah. very aware of what could happen. Um. And, yeah, so, for example, there's been a film about the 1985 one that's just come out. Um, it's not an amazing film. It has really good special effects. 
But two of my friends had to leave the theater because they couldn't watch it because they rescued people. So it, the trauma is still a bit too strong to watch something like that. So it's kind of, the, the, it will mm. always be there. And in the 1985 disaster, there wasn't really a culture about big earthquakes in Mexico. So people didn't leave the buildings, for example. People stayed in the buildings So were like, oh, it'll be over soon. And then the buildings fell. Whereas for last years, we all grew up doing drills because of the 1985 yep. earthquake, because of that trauma. But I feel like my generation didn't really get it. We were like, oh, yeah, it's just a drill. You live the building, that's it. But after last year, we take it a lot more seriously. It's like, no, if the earthquake alarm goes off, go out, go outside if you can. Or like go into a small room. Or, yeah, you learn about a lot of survival tactics. So... Yeah. Yeah. And there's different things that I guess different cultures react to. So, for example, in Mexico, because we knew about the 1985 one, what happened in 1985 is the government barely helped. It was mostly citizens that picked up the rubble. Um, so, on it felt like in 2017 we all sort of knew that that's that's what you do you go out and help whereas in a lot of other countries they wait for the government to do it they they wouldn't go out and help but because we have all the stories from our parents helping we're like oh no we have to go out and help so everyone just went to everyone went to the supermarkets to get supplies and then they would go to pick up rubble and to rescue bodies. And yeah, it was very a very citizen-led movement, which was sad, but yeah, nice. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, if you live in a country where you're lucky enough to not have earthquakes and you see that there's been an earthquake, like for example, right now in Indonesia, the, the disasters are insane. Um, and there's a lot of deaths already. So if you can find somewhere to donate and and donate it honestly it honestly really really helps um so yeah please do that but yeah living through them is not is not very nice it's very traumatic and i hope no one has to do it yeah and it's an experience that, as you say has changed an entire generation of people yeah. in mexico basically cool so now for our second topic, which uh, is broadly titled Tips to Reduce Stress. Um, so <laughs> I was taking a bit of a look and well, I've been having a bit of a think about it because everyone gets stressed, whether it's from work at university, work as in work, work, like whatever you do for a living kind of work or just any sort of other projects that you have or when you're just really busy. Mm. I don't know. Different people have it with different things. And so, yeah, I always am on the lookout for for things like this. Um, and so I 
wanted to share sort of a bit of a list that I've put together, some of which are sort of specifically I find are helpful for me at work and then others are just general sort of guiding principles which are useful in your life and just that you should try and stick to. And then some others are kind of sort of specific things that, well, that I and and also that Natalia is, is quite keen on on doing in specific moments yeah definitely i'm very bad at dealing with stress <laughs> but some things really yeah. do help me but we try yeah. but we try so for work the one the things that that i picked out and and was firstly around eating so was to try and eat healthily and not not just at work but also when you get home from work mm. so to avoid kind of making or not making, I should say, not making healthy meals or not making decent food for yourself. Yeah, that's really bad. Um, yeah, and then at if if you either if you make lunch for yourself or if you go out to get lunch, then you know making sure that you have just good food. It doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to be kind of food that's going to keep you mm. going and that's not going to just make you feel bad either bad because it's unhealthy or bad mentally because you feel bad about having unhealthy or you food. or you just get tired it's a lot easier to get tired if you have a massive quarter pounder than it is if you had a good wagamama which is not even the most healthy thing but it's healthier than a burger <laughs> yeah it's not it's not too bad it's not too bad um but yeah and also thinking about that just kind of thinking about that for me the the thing that I try to do is when I have less healthy food, it's it's planned, if that makes mm. sense. So as in, I will say, OK, this Friday, I'm going to meet my friend and I'm going to have pizza or <laughs> I'm going to order chips and a burger and chips for this yeah. meal. But the problem, I think the problem is if you just kind of you get to a given night of the week and you haven't got any idea what you eat and then you you have to have the discipline. It's much harder to kind of maintain that discipline yeah. if you've not sort of pre-planned to have something fairly... fairly. I'm not talking like salad every day, I'm just talking something that's sort of... Balanced. Relatively nutritional and balanced, yeah. exactly. So that's definitely one that, that kind of makes a big, big difference for me. Um, the other thing which I'm... I feel is definitely one of the things I'm worst at is managing your time effectively, Mm. both kind of in and out of work. I feel like out of work, I'm quite good in the sense that I set goals and I have lists and I have sort of dates when I need to get things done by. But when I'm in the office, I'm super ineffective at sticking to my calendar Mm. sometimes. And And it obviously it goes in phases. But I find it's one of the sort of worst things for my productivity. So I do, obviously, I do an office type job and there's so many ways you can get distracted. There's so many tasks that can come up in a given day. Um, And if you don't have a sort of structure to that or you don't set limits, um, you end up just working like longer days and feeling more stressed whilst doing it. I think I read this, I I read this book called The Little Black Book um, by Ortega Uwagba. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. But yeah, she's she's amazing. A lot of the things she writes are amazing. But yeah. Um, and she basically gives a bit of a sort of timetable for you to organise your hours. And it talks about if you just work straight for a long time, you it, it's easier for you to be like, oh, I'm just going to check 
Instagram very quickly or I'm going to get that or you get distracted by someone else or by something else. And she talks about doing two hour work blocks. So you do 90 minutes of work and then 30 minutes of either preparing the next task or getting to use that to actually get distracted but is planned getting distracted instead of... it's like a planned different activity whatever that different exactly. activity is and she also talks about something that's very useful to me for organizing my time she's like in those 90 minutes if you didn't finish the task don't go oh i'll just finish it and then take 30 minutes it's sometimes easier if you didn't finish the task to get back to work because you're like yeah i had to finish that so yeah and don't multitask okay yeah, that makes sense. Now, multitasking is just is just literally the worst yeah. thing for my productivity. I think women are meant to be better at multitasking than men. But it kind of. Um, but it's it's just so hard. I think that means by women are better, it doesn't mean we can do two tasks at once. Literally, it means we can text and no. also listen to you at the same time, which are two very small tasks at the same time. Is not, or we can test right. text and walk at the same time is not about working on two projects at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I yeah, I find that that's that's good advice and that book's actually pretty good. What's the, what was the title again? It's called Little Black Book: A yeah. Toolkit for Working Women, but it's not just for women. It talks about <laughs> <laughs> The reason why it's about women is is on mostly on the pricing bit. It talks a lot about how to uh prices have for your women because we find it harder than men. But to ask it, for it, for it, money for like to ask for, for money. freelance yeah. jobs and stuff like that. And... Yeah, exactly. That's why he talks about okay. women, but it, it does work for men as well. No, I think you've told me a, a sort of bits from there before, and it's it's been, yeah. been pretty interesting. It's very good. Anyway, slight deviation, but that's that's actually probably a good recommend, <laughs> pretty pretty good recommendation. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing that I found just on that time management piece is that that something that's worked for us is having a shared Google Calendar. Oh yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Because not only does having that calendar make sure make me individually sort of make sure that I put in what I want to do, put in my mm. plans and so that I feel like I'm in control of what I'm doing going into a given week. So Sunday today I'm looking ahead to kind of the week ahead. I know what's happening. But it also yeah. means that Natalia's kind of on the same page and if you know, if if she is unsure about something, she can say, "Oh, it's on the calendar like this." Is that correct? Rather than just sort of having to try and not only remember what she's doing, but also remember what I'm doing, which is really hard. Yeah. And especially if you've got kind of a lot of people that you're seeing in your life. If you've got a partner, that's definitely very good. Having a sh- one shared calendar with yeah. just your your activities for the day, because one, you organize yourself and two, you make sure that you're making time for other people that aren't work people. So it helps reduce stress because... I'll think, okay, Fraser is meeting someone at this time, which means at that time I can be working without interruption. But then he's not working at this time and I'm not. So let's have a bit of a chat. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And and yeah, exactly. It's helped me identify good times to meet my friends, weirdly. Yeah, exactly. So definitely good, a good one. Another, just just kind of on the the work, um, going back to or, or on the work piece, two other things one is going outside during the day so my work actually introduced the thing fairly recently where you can order food to the office and it's paid for by the company for lunch but the problem is that means that you don't take a walk you don't go outside 
or unless you act consciously say to the person next to you or just get up and go out yourself um and i i definitely think that's that's a really important thing for for clearing your head yeah go outside um even if sorry i speak a lot as a freelancer because i don't go to an office but even if that means you're still going to work but you're going to work in a terrace instead of inside your office that really helps yeah not just to feel sort of cramped up all day Mm -hmm. in the same same spot um final final office one avoiding caffeine overdose because (laughs) a a lot of places these days have you know on on demand tea coffee herbal tea like whatever whatever you want and that's that's the case in my office so it's quite easy to just go ah to go and have another coffee or oh, I was going to have another tea and there's always someone who wants to offer to go and get you on but you've got to sort of I think it's another one where you have to sort of say a how am I feeling right now do I actually need this and b have I sort of planned to have this much coffee if that makes sense so I kind of go in and I know like roughly how much caffeine I'm going to have in a day because if you have, <laughs> and, and then I try and avoid sort of having it at random times or or whatever so yeah because otherwise it just you just for me my head just completely goes if I have too much and I sort of know what my limit is and also remember coffee does dehydrate as well so as much as it wakes you up it will dehydrate you which is not very good for working so coffee is very good if you're doing a very active job if you're moving around things if you're if you're um so standing up a lot but if you're sitting at your desk you don't actually need that much coffee have a lot of water yeah, sometimes you can definitely just replace a cup of coffee with water, yeah. especially if it's sort of <laughs> you've already had one or two in a given yeah. kind of time period. So, yeah, apparently five a day is I find it a lot, but apparently it's still considered normal. Five under, if you're having over three, I would say. Yeah, to and also it depends <laughs> on the strength. So this is this is a bit of a deviation off the topic, but there's a coffee shop called Black Sheep Coffee. Um, and there's a, a branch uh, right right below my office. So people will sometimes go out there rather than, than getting it in the office. And effectively, their default beans that they use are actually double the caffeine of the usual Arabica kind of coffee beans that you'll get in a, a normal coffee shop. And so wow. you actually that is definitely something worth kind of considering is what kind of coffee are you having and you know, could you replace that with maybe a cup of tea or something else that's maybe a bit less if you want to get your hot yeah. drink fix? Generally, London and Mexico are both cities. Mexico City are both cities that have very strong coffee in coffee shops. Like sometimes I go into London coffee shops, like one of the random hipster ones, <laughs> and you order a coffee, and it's very very strong. So yeah, do. And you can feel it. So yeah. if you're having very strong coffee, you just don't have too much. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, anyway, no, back to sure. stress. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's definitely a good tip. Um, and I guess the the next thing that we were going to talk about in terms of, of stress was just general, general, more obvious things. I've put down get enough rest and sleep. That's that's pretty, pretty obvious at stressful mm. times. You've got to try and maintain a good routine. Um, and that actually on that, that point, having... Alcohol, I find in particular, is really damaging for sleep. And it's deceptive because you might feel more tired after drinking you know, a glass of wine or, or a beer, but it actually reduces the quality of the sleep that you're getting. 
Yeah, also, I feel like it's easy to be, I'm really stressed, I'm just going to go out and have a lot of beers. And maybe that's okay once, but the thing is, if you are prone to hangovers the next day, you're going to feel a lot worse because you're not going to get any work done the next day because you're, you're hungover. Yeah, but even just after one or two drinks, like your sleep and, and everything like that, oh, yeah, will, yeah, will, yeah. will be, sadly, will be, will be impacted. Yeah, we're not saying literally don't drink, but try, if you're really stressed, do try and avoid it, like avoid having a lot of drinks because it, it does make it worse. Speaking of earthquake traumas, my window just creaked and I nearly jumped. So, oh no! But that does keep happening a year on. But yeah, yeah. Sorry, back to the stress. Yeah, and the final kind of obvious tip was seek social support, spend time with friends and family uh, if that's kind of applicable to to the situation. But there's always someone who you can spend time with. If there's anyone, if you have any friends, just go. Yeah, no, I I meant more if you're stressed because, you know, a member of your family is unwell, then it may be that you spend time with your friends. I wasn't saying if (laughs) if you have any friends or family, hopefully there's, you know, everyone's got someone. (laughs) Yeah, it was just like, yeah, spend time with friends or family, if applicable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yes good well, yeah. good point good point need to need to clarify that one so <laughs> finally just wanted to finish up with some of our things or or my things but i think some of them are also kind of natalia's things that that i personally do every either every week or actually even multiple times per per week um and as much as anything to de-stress it's also to just unwind in general so for me, I always try to take regular exercise, whether that's playing football with friends or colleagues or going to the gym. just definitely makes you feel super refreshed. And r- r- although it makes you feel tired then, then and there, it definitely refreshes you. One thing that I like to do, especially actually on a Sunday night, so I'll probably do it after recording this, is I like to put a record on. So I'm lucky enough to have a turntable, so and a few a few records that I can play. And I like to do that while sort of preparing my things for the next day. So whether it's the outfit that I'm going to wear to work, or whether it's just tidying up and kind of getting getting everything sorted out in my room so it's not a complete mess when I wake up. Um, so that that's definitely one of the most relaxing things you can do. Sometimes I even turn the main light off a little bit and I just put kind of side lights on um, to make me mm. feel more sort of sleepy almost yeah and relaxed and that's definitely a fun one to do the other thing which natalia (laughs) is definitely a big fan of is lighting a candle yeah i like lighting a candle for while i work so i don't get stressed while i work (laughs) (laughs) like if i'm gonna work in the evening i just light a candle or i put some incense on and it's just nice to have a nice relaxing smell while while you work and also i the wonder of essential oils is is big because is is just nice smells that help you. <laughs> so there's some combinations that you can use for uh, when you want to concentrate and stuff like that. So it's very good, especially lavender oil is the one I use the most for sleeping and stuff like that. So yeah, if I want a good sleep, I rub some lavender oil on my temples okay. and it actually really helps because you get the smell. The other thing that Natalia has recommended to, well, to do... Um, and she's also kind of recommended it to me, is to do face masks. 
because a it makes your skin better and b it's kind of a nice yeah. thing so when i have done face masks i tend to just sit and not do anything else um whilst i'm waiting for them to dry and i find that that kind of yeah just really really makes you feel calm try and kind of meditate and just just do that for sort of 10 minutes you felt you're doing something nice for yourself just for you exactly exactly yeah no distractions just do it mm. and then that's it yeah the way i do it is i <laughs> i have a long way of doing face masks um i steam my face for about five minutes and then that really relaxes you and then i put a face mask on and then i wash it with really warm water and then i nice. put a toner on so it's really nice <laughs> and that does awesome. help de-stress after a long day so yeah those are good tips take three that's it so thank you so much for listening if you have any comments any experiences we can talk about on the next episode any topic suggestions you can find me on instagram and twitter as at underscore natalia Alvin. and i am at fraser d bell and we also have an email which is called the distance diaries podcast at gmail.com Yes, and one uh, final thing. If you are listening to this podcast on iTunes or Acast, do uh, leave us a review with, with any comments and, and a rating as well. Yeah, it's really nice to read reviews, so please do that for us. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. For listening, this podcast is hosted by Mexi Clothing, a brand that brings you modern Mexican fashion into the UK and Europe. For more, you can visit www.mexi.clothing. Thank you for listening. <laughs>